Hello, my marvelous mobile mavens. Welcome to episode five of the Listen to Cedric Say podcast. I'm your host, Cedric Say. How you doing? This is the official first episode of 2020 for the Listen to Cedric Say podcast. And I must say, uh, nothing has gone to expectation this year. Um, I know we're on the same boat, but man, this has been wild. I mean, just from the start, this whole the fear, the actuality, the restrictions. It's been the, it's been pretty, I dare say, unprecedented. All the techno- technology launches and gatherings have been canceled, as long as as well as everything else has been canceled. But yeah, it's been uh, hard to find reliable news to to report for everybody and. Uh, launches have been moved. Uh, Samsung still launched their stuff, but everybody else has been bumped. Uh, but seems to be getting slightly back on schedule, just in a different way. Everybody's kind of finding uh, ways to get the word out about their technology without the uh, the trade shows they usually use and the conferences they have. But you know, that's just the uh, that's just what mobile technology is all about. Uh, figuring out ways to keep us all connected and engaged. Uh, everyone in a different way uh, so then it's amazing that we have these opportunities there's uh, a bunch of companies out there a bunch of entrepreneurs in the tech industry that's just trying to figure out and work the problem uh, see how they can keep everybody connected and informed and you know, continuing education and all that it's actually been really interesting to see um, the companies that are able to retrend and come to the table with something new that is maybe in their wheelhouse or something that maybe they were going to do but wasn't quite the right time uh, but they really stepped up to the plate it's really been interesting to see uh, the companies that have been able to sort of retrend uh, not necessarily do things that are outside of their wheelhouse but really look at their services and what they can do for the world and kind of change it up a little bit make it work a little bit better maybe ideas and innovations they wouldn't have otherwise thought of and it's been really interesting to see uh, when uh, basically uh, it's, it's hard uh, having this whole social distancing thing but you know technology has a way of uh, being able to share information and keep us all connected but really that's what i've been seeing in my research there's lots of companies that are trying to transcend that normal notion of sharing information to kind of bring us into a world where we not only share but we can actually feel a connection with each other even though there's a distance between us Um, and I think that's that's what's really coming out of this I think we'll have uh, a much better idea of how we're supposed to use this technology to our benefit and a lot of people are learning a lot of good things about what's possible uh, with our current state of technology from being able to send money, being able to stay entertained while you're trapped in your house, um, being able to share experiences with a group, no matter if it's you're talking about gaming and multiplayer, um, cross-platform, so it doesn't matter like what kind of system you got or maybe even through the cloud, no matter where you are, maybe if you still have to go to work, you can still stay connected with everybody that has to stay at home. They're sharing uh, different things on social media as a group, um, so you can get, still get that sense of being together. In today's episode, we're going to go ahead and learn about companies and entrepreneurs that are keeping us connected as a community, helping us stay safe with factual, timely information in today's Top 10 Game Changers. All right, so first up, we got Samsung's new S20 family, and you probably heard all about these already, but 
Uh, basically, they had the three new phones um, and their new S lineup for uh, 2020. We had the S20, S20 Plus, and the S20 Ultra, a new category that they're uh, doing this year. Um, big old phone. So I'll say more than anything, uh, the camera technology has greatly improved uh, year over year. Uh, looks like we have now 8K video. Uh, we got super slow-mo and 4K. Um, it's just a lot of amazing features. 108 megapixel camera on the Ultra. Uh, 64 on the other ones, which is still a big deal. Uh, it's a massive improvement over uh, the resolutions capable last year. Um, and it's all thanks to that new uh, Snapdragon from Snapdragon from Qualcomm, the new 865. It's capable of some amazing throughput as far as data processing um, from an image sensor. So, so it looks like also the uh, S10 family from last year, um, they're actually getting uh, some of the camera features uh, as well, such as the uh, single take, where I guess you use all the lenses, the, the uh, night, uh, night sight, um, and uh, the night hyperlapse. So that's pretty cool. Um, and some other features as well, exclusive to Samsung. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty interesting. It should be coming out in a couple weeks uh, in a new update from Samsung. Second on the game changers, like I've been really talking about this company a lot since I heard about them. I think they have a really good idea and they got some really unique and engaging content coming out um, to their platform. And it's going to be uh, the Quibi uh, platform. They've been, their marketing has been really fun. They're actually turning that word into, they're trying to turn it into a pop culture thing where, you know, say, like, oh, you know, it'd be done in the Quibi, which is supposed to stand for about 10 minutes-ish. Uh, which is interesting and that's their, their kind of their goal with their content to be mainly it's, it's focused only on mobile devices mainly on phones um, and it's basically for people that are on the go just want to like see news or be entertained or laugh or whatever uh, you, you can see that content really quickly on your commute you know on your way to work whatever um, and you don't have to feel like you're going to be locked in for you know a whole 90 minutes but still get uh, some content that really really was impactful to you maybe emotional experience or maybe got you informed uh, on whatever's going on because news comes at you so fast these days so i think you know overall it's got a pretty smart uh, market position and then um looks like they're well they're starting off with a 90-day free trial then they got a couple tiers uh, after that's like five dollars a month with ads so that's kind of weird five dollars a month for access but you still have some ads and then eight dollars without ads uh, but yeah very very cool uh, I do like that the idea of that one. Um, the content in the, on the platform, I mean, it's shot in a way that basically it's, it's for phones. So you can watch it in portrait, but you can also watch it in widescreen if you prefer that. So you can do either one. And the, the whole direction and the production of each uh, piece of content has taken that into account. So the way they frame the shots and everything, that it's all been thought of. Like a second thing that I really like about the platform is that they're using the the phone uh, to its full uh, potential because they, they're only aiming it at that so they can plan content to engage you in new and exciting ways uh, well i mean i guess it's still a way to be seen as how exciting it'll be but i think it's interesting in, in, uh, basically because something for example uh, that they were sharing uh, is basically like i say if the character in the in the short movie or clip gets a text message it's obscured from view. They're they're looking at their phone. They don't show you what the text message says, but they read it and it causes some kind of reaction in the character um, and it, the, the plot moves forward. You can choose to you know look it up on your phone and see the text messages that they're getting and what they're hearing, what they're seeing. Um, so you can further understand the motivations that they have and 
uh, understand the, why the plot's doing what it's doing and all of that sort of thing, which is, I think it's just interesting. I, I think it's a way to compress the story so that you can get more uh, action into it without having to go into all of the nuance. And if you want that nuance later, you can always go back and uh, look at those kinds of little Easter eggs and, and figure out uh, what was uh, even more what was going on. Number three on the Game Changers list is the company I've been keeping, uh, another company I've been keeping my eye on, uh, OnePlus. Uh, they're the maker, Chinese maker of phones. Um, they actually uh, partnered with Verizon for an exclusive. They have, uh, I think, a phone with Sprint as well and a couple other companies. Uh, but Verizon actually has an exclusive on their new newest phone uh, that they'll be officially launching or officially debuting uh, on uh, April 14th. And it's going to be basically the OnePlus Eight, eight, one plus uh, eight pro, or one plus eight plus. We're not really hundred percent on the on the naming yet, but the the seven, the one plus seven, one plus seven pro. Uh, that phone is uh, you can actually buy it uh, and just have it activated on the Verizon networks. The first one plus device available on Verizon, which is interesting, because um, uh, I just think that they have a. I've been keeping my eye on them because they have an amazing market uh, position where. They don't. They save money in smart ways. They've been one of the few companies that actually save money on things people really don't care about, but it still has a reputation for a great build quality and things like that. And the, all the features you do care about, like they have an amazing camera, great screen, uh, lots of storage, uh, fast processor. They don't skimp on any of the, of the power inside the unit. So that that that's what has attracted people. Uh, for, um, all you get all of that basically for about half the price of the average phone with the with that package. Uh, whether it be I know the, the regular seven was around five hundred bucks, uh, something like that, and the Pro was like seven hundred, but it had features that you know the twelve hundred dollars phones had in it. So uh, relatively, it was still an amazing deal. Uh, so it, yeah, it's just it's just pretty amazing, um, and I'm interested to see uh, how they're able to. Uh, really take on uh, the American uh, market, uh, North American market, uh, see what they can do. And number four, one of my favorite companies, Motorola. Um, they're coming uh, to the party this year with a couple of new phones that are literally taking aim at Samsung's A-series. Uh, some people may be familiar with those. They were the, the cheaper phones, not the S-series of phones, but they're the Galaxy A-series, which is just like they're starts at the very bottom end and goes up to sort of just above the middle of the market so um and that's kind of where motorola has been reigning supreme they got a little uh uh ding on the chin last year because uh, samsung kind of blindsided them with all the technology they were packing into uh, some of their 400 and 500 dollar models um but uh motorola not to be outdone uh they're bringing out the the wildly successful moto g power bringing that back with its massive battery and three day uh three days of actual usage time um, and then also they're shaking things up with a moto g stylus which is as you probably expect from the title has a stylus built into it uh, so but don't think it's uh, a cheap phone like the uh, uh, lg stylo 5 or anything this is actually gonna it's actually it's the better of the more expensive anyway of the two phones and it's gonna have some really powerful features in it um, it has instead of the 500, five, I'm sorry, 5,000 milliamp battery that the power has, it has a 4,000 milliamp battery, um, but it also has the higher spec camera and they both, uh, actually the, uh, one has, uh, the stylo has 128 gigs of storage, uh, while the power has 64 gigs of storage. So these, these phones that are, you know, seen as their budget phones 
are really going to have some high-end specs. So again, I, I think that's in response to Samsung, but also OnePlus getting into the market with their cheaper phones that have a high-value proposition. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see. Number five. So uh, the Sprint and T-Mobile merger. Um, it's it's definitely it's it's pretty, pretty much been approved. It's not, they still got some kinks to iron out, but they uh, the company I think uh, not company the organization I think it's the FCC uh, they had the power to shut them down, shut down the whole merger aspect uh, over uh, anti-competitive practices and um, and being a monopoly and concerns like that. But it looks like they finally got through that hurdle. And there's some other things uh, I think at the state level that they're dealing with right now, but pretty much it's going forward and they will be launching it at some point um, as a, you know, that as officially together. Um, but I'm not sure when that date will be, but it pretty much is proceeding forward. So very interesting news. Um, they call it a merger, but it's really, I mean, when you look at it, it's more of T-Mobile buying sprint, but um, however you want to say it, however you want to look at it, uh, it's big, big news. It's a major uh, change to the mobile landscape uh, because the, by them merging with all their towers, uh, Sprint's infrastructure with T-Mobile's member subscriber numbers, they'll be the largest mobile carrier. And and yeah, <laughs> I'm just interested to see how they'll uh, keep that afloat. I mean, they, they still, they're service-wise, they're going to have the same access to the frequencies that they already have. So service overall may not improve. Coverage may improve maybe for uh, T-Mobile customers. Um, but yeah, this is definitely an interesting move. I think it'll have uh, larger ramifications in the future with 5G and how that rolls out and what uh, each company is able to offer and how competitive they'll be with it, or at least a lot more competitive now. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, something to keep your eye on. All right, number six in a really interesting move um, and I think it's a smart diversification of their portfolio uh, dish uh, is uh, dish network the, of the net of uh, satellite television fame uh, there are they have gotten approval from the FCC uh, to become the next national mobile carrier so cell phone carrier so that's what they're looking to do so moving it, uh, away from satellite television which I imagine is struggling real hard right now even AT&T with their uh, acquisition of DirecTV, they're putting it on the sideline, coming out with AT&T television. So, uh, yeah, it must be going... Uh, I can't imagine that's going really well for them. So they're starting to get into the mobile game. I guess they want to get into offering phone and probably more than that, data, uh, which, as a satellite company, they may be pretty well-positioned uh, to do, uh, especially in the, the more rural areas. Maybe they have some upgrades planned that will be able to expand coverage to those rural areas and uh, hard-to-cover areas. Um, that may give them some kind of market advantage. But yeah, very interesting news. I didn't see that one coming. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of service they're able to offer at launch. And uh, definitely another thing to keep your uh, keep your eye on there. Speaking of AT&T, number seven, uh, looks like they uh, are now in 13 cities. There may be more at this point um, since I did my research. But um, looks like they are sticking with their low band. Uh, so they got uh, looking using their 850 megahertz band, uh, and looks like they were uh, they have some plans. They have some ultra wide band, similar to Verizon's ultra wide band, but it's not available to customers. And I think it's even in a kind of a beta phase for business customers. So, um, and that's uh, I believe only through a hotspot, none of the phones supported. So it's very interesting developments there. Um, but I don't know what uh, why AT and T's. 5G rollout's been so staggered, but looks like um, they've added Boston, St. Louis, Atlantic City, 
uh, uh, Dayton and Wichita, Kansas. Uh, so very interesting. Number eight on the cloud gaming front, looks like uh, uh, NVIDIA of uh, graphics card, computer graphics card fame has now launched their GeForce Now, which I guess isn't the first time they've tried to do this, but this is the first, uh, I guess, time that they've actually had all every, all their ducks in a row and they were ready for it. Um, it's a new entry into the cloud, uh, cloud gaming uh, arena with uh, Google Stadia and Microsoft xCloud and beta. Um, but they are, uh, they've launched basically, it's a little bit different concept instead of trying to be, uh, well, I guess a different concept to Stadia, but uh, it's closer to that idea of uh, Netflix of gaming. So basically, um, it's kind of a hybrid between purchasing regular retail and the being kind of a more of a streaming service. Uh, so basically, they don't uh, sell games. They just sell you the ability to play cross-platform. So for any games that you buy with through their partners like Steam um, and other stores, uh, they, they have the ability to... Uh, allow you to play uh, on any device so you can play your game regardless of how much horsepower your device has like your phone uh, computer uh, uh, imagine desktop or uh, television equipment like through their nvidia shield um, tv uh, and android tv things like that you can use all of those devices to play wherever you want to play and they'll be able to essentially uh, get the same experience is the, the goal um, there's been some mixed experiences due to you know this all being based on the latency inherent in your internet connection and how well your isp is optimized for game streaming which or cloud game streaming which not everybody really is um, i don't think really anybody is yet but it, it's just interesting it's an interesting development it's a little bit different business model than we've seen uh, i know they've had some headaches and some gripes but yeah it looks like this is a, a definitely a, a real play unlike stadia who's <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking with that, but that doesn't seem to be going as well, but um, is improving. But yeah, it had a really uh, fumbled launch. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting development. So it's like the number three. Microsoft hasn't really launched theirs yet. I imagine, again, I think I talked about it before, but they'll probably launch theirs around the time their new consoles are due out uh, this fall. Uh, but yeah, and I still have my, my money on them being the ones to come out the best since they already have pretty much the service side which seems to be the hardest way how do you bill for all this and where do you get your games from and all of that is the hardest part with all this and all those relationships which they already have and they're already testing in beta so i think they're just waiting for waiting to make a big splash so i still have my money on them but nice to see a, a different company getting into the mix uh with the with the geforce through from nvidia so it looks like as far as the GeForce Now, it's free to sign up. Of course, it's free to sign up. Everything's free to sign up. But they actually do have a free account level, which is, uh, I think, something Stadio has been saying that they were going to do. I don't believe uh, from last time I checked, they haven't done that quite yet. But they do have free accounts. Um, uh, basically, its limit is one-hour sessions, and I think it's like 1080p video. Not a huge issue, especially for free. That's pretty solid. I mean, basically, you still have to buy the games. You have to own the games. But being able to play... Uh, uh, play for one hour no matter where you are i mean most people i mean if you're out and about well <laughs> in the future when we're allowed to be out and about again uh, that would be plenty of time um, uh, to play your your favorite games um, and then um, they do have a limited offer right now so you can actually pay uh, for the founders edition 60 dollars. it may actually be over already but basically 60 bucks and you can just uh, get the full featured um, you get like the whole six hour uh, six hours to play um, per session um, and it gives you uh, and it gives you access to the full resolutions 
um, from all the games that you own. So it's pretty cool. And number nine on the top tech game changers, we we have a uh, Half Life Alex. Yeah, I think I'm calling that all by itself a game changer because it's literally changing the landscape of virtual reality. Virtuality's had a pretty rocky road. It's they've been trying to bring that back. Various companies have been trying to bring it back, including Facebook uh, with their purchase of Oculus, and uh, there's been lots of other attempts. I mean, I think they're probably the uh, the biggest install base, probably the PlayStation. Uh, with their VR attempt, but uh, but yeah, there's been no killer apps, so no great games that you have to go out and buy, upgrade all your equipment and wear those this thing on your head and do all of that. Uh, there has been nothing to really encourage people to go out and do that, but with Half-Life Alex, it was built from the ground up with VR in mind, so it was always uh, the goal uh, to have a VR first game. Um, and versus a lot of the games, even AAA titles that have had VR versions have been optimized for desktop or console with VR as kind of an afterthought, uh, sometimes even launching after the original launch date of the game. Um, so obviously that's just something that was, you could kind of look around, you know, obviously if it's a 3D artificial environment, you can look around, but that's not necessarily optimizing the game experience. But on Half-Life Alex, they've actually taken the part, taken, uh, well, report, Reportedly, they have, I haven't actually played it, got my hands on it yet. My computer isn't power enough, powerful enough to play VR. But they have been able to use virtu- the virtual reality environment to actually craft a new experience, a new way to engage uh, the gamer. So uh, very cool, very interested uh, in playing that myself. Um, yeah, but yeah, because it's supposed to have a very good quality and just overall design for VR specifically. So very excited about that. Hopefully they make more games like that in the future. And number 10 on the top tech game changers. I, I'm just going to just throw this in as a all-in-one because there's a lot of folks on this list, but I'll kind of run through them. But basically it's just my general, uh, like the coronavirus innovators. So I wanted to give a shout out to those folks that are, are trying to uh, take technology to the next level beyond just sharing, but you know, really getting us to connect over distances and basically the um, uh, some things that i've seen in the industry so we'll start with uh, movies it was amazing how fast movie theaters were able to trend or well i'm sorry were able to retrend so they were already doing these things but they kind of put a focus on it super quick and i think that uh, having that content available not only helped the movies which i think may lead to some different business practices in the near future but also just help people uh, not lose their minds immediately and they had uh, fresh content that they could engage with Uh, so you have um, all the movies that were in the theater and that were slated to come out in theater but were just available on movies anywhere and which extends it to their partners so wherever you like to watch your movies youtube or voodoo personally um, and lots of other uh, fandango lots of other places um, but basically with movies anywhere they would just push it directly you know because all the movies are in digital anyway um, in production except for like christopher nolan who still uh, shoots on film but yeah every, every all the rest of them that were out there um, uh, from what i saw they they're doing great uh, i mean i guess it helps to be a good movie but also i think it's just that people had so much more access to it instead of having to go to the movie theater and deal with all that shenanigans they're actually literally on their opening days able to hit some really high numbers to and i mean we're talking about horror movies which during normally during this part of the year don't do great but they're doing pretty good and um so it was really cool to see that and um that they were able to help the customer out in that way 
another one. I mean, I got to shout out the Zoom service, the Zoom with the Zoom app, um, conferencing app. So that was that was a that was huge for everyone that needed to work from home or continue their education, uh, whatever. Just basically stay connected in a professional environment. Uh, they just all seem to choose Zoom. I mean, I know there's a lot of options, but I, I think the hardest thing, even Microsoft had trouble with it, which is being able to scale. So they were able to scale from what they were already doing, which is, I believe they were already number one in the space, to being able to scale to hundreds of millions all over the world. So that was pretty neat. So uh, shout out to Zoom uh, for pe keeping the world uh, flowing just a little bit better. Um, the next one is shout out to all the mobile payment companies. So I, I don't I think a lot of people have been skeptical of mobile payments, um, don't know how they work or haven't looked into it. But yeah, all of them, uh, keeping us from having to go to the bank and touch those dirty ATMs and whatnot. Uh, they Venmo, PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Pay, uh, Samsung Pay, all those guys out there, all the ones that I, I don't even know about. There's so many of them now. But there's uh, Cash App, um, yeah, so many. So. The, but very cool, very cool stuff. Um, people have learned about that. I've personally been using them for a long time. But um, but yeah, it's just exciting that we are able to still keep the economy going just a little bit smoother by having those apps so we can still make payments, you know, um, when we can um, pay for things you know, like groceries and get them delivered. And, you know, all of that's just electronic and it's awesome. Um, shout out to Instagram. So they basically, they come rolled out some new features a couple days ago, lets you browse as a group. So if you like to, uh, sh not only share things with your friends, but you like to experience them with your, your community, uh, your circle, so you can actually do that together. Uh, it's through the direct messaging function allows you to scroll as a group and see things, uh, together, which is very, very fun. Um, but yeah, whoever's having fun with that, you know, give me, you know, give me a message and let me know how that's going for you. But yeah, I just think, I just love to see it just as an innovation. Personally, I don't, I don't think I would use it, but I just think it's really cool. Like they're, at least they're trying to do something to keep people connected. The next one was kind of, you know, it was kind of government mandated, but pretty much all the, uh, the, uh, companies, the IS, internet service providers, people that give us data from Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, Sprint, um, to, you know, even like Comcast and, you know, all those, those, uh, spectrum and all the cable folks that give us internet, uh, they were asked by the government to release those caps, um, for a certain amount of time. Uh, so people can stream as much as they want to and things like that. And without having to be throttled and whatnot. Uh, so that's been kind of cool to see. We've seen T-Mobile, um, actually come out with some cheap plans. I think they were, there's going to be a part of their rollout with their Sprint merger, was going to be the super cheap plan. I think it's like 15 bucks for two gigs of data. Um, and there's some serious limits on that, but it's still though, I mean, if you get basic access for 15 bucks is very accessible um, to just about anybody. Um, and you had Comcast actually um, removing data caps completely for 60 days. So no matter what plan I guess you have with them, you can just, you know, stream as much as you need to get work done, stay entertained at home, what, whatever, whatever. Um, Verizon, basically, uh, they went out and added 15 gigs of data to their customer plan. So if you had a meteor plan, you get 15 gigs more of high speed, as well as if you, if you have a limited plan and you have hotspot or don't have hotspot, you have 15 gigs more. So if you don't have hotspot, you have 15 gigs. If you don't have, if you do have hotspot, you have 15 more gigs uh, to use. So very interesting, uh, innovations from those companies, um, coping with that, you know, in real time, real quick, which is very much appreciated. There have been a lot of competition uh, from the NVNOs, uh, which 
uh, the and those that don't know uh, the MVNOs are mobile virtual network operators. So they uh, those folks that basically don't own their infrastructure, but they still have uh, phone plans you can buy and phone services that they offer at, at various levels. And we're talking about companies like Mint Mobile, Consumer Cellular, companies like that. Uh, so the uh, so T-Mobile is really uh, that plan really goes against them as well as uh, Verizon. Looks like they rebranded their uh, Visible service, which is uh, if you ever heard of Visible, which a lot of people haven't. Um, but uh, but Visible basically, I think it was literally a direct competitor with Google Fi or Google Fee, however you say it, uh, because of their how they it's a business model very similar to theirs, except it's wholly owned and operated by Verizon. So it you get Verizon towers and level of service, uh, but it does come with a lot of the and a, and a lot of limits, and it only has the one forty dollar plan, which is kind of uh, that's how a lot of the NVNOs are, are operating, just a very scaled down plan, scaled back uh, features, and limited phone choice. That's the biggest one, very limited phone choice. But uh, they do allow you uh, access to a phone. I mean, they're very popular phones. They're normally the better phones. Um, from the top brands like Google, uh, Samsung, LG, uh, and Apple. So uh, they have all of those things uh, rolled uh, available. Um, but basically they rebranded it to Yahoo Mobile, which I thought was very interesting. So they, they bought Yahoo a few years ago and really haven't done anything with that property. But it looks like they finally found something to do with it. I guess they saw Visible. It had some success. And so they're now they're branding it with a name that people will more readily identify with maybe i don't know they got to be of a certain age group i think to remember the yahoo heyday but uh but yeah they're going with that to uh to i guess boost that service um and fight those uh nvno companies looks like the new service will come with uh it, it is an unlimited plan so that 40 dollars plan is unlimited talk text and data um, with some there's limits on it you know of other kinds but it, it is unlimited but it, there's some restrictions and basically you have uh, they give you yahoo mail pro so i guess they're trying to revamp the whole uh, yahoo mail thing because that's the only part of yahoo that actually worked well so with that we'll move into the main reason we're here today which is to talk about uh well, really it's a, been a series i didn't launch it as a series but it's the way i designed it has been a series on helping you keep your phones and move uh, if you wanted to move to another carrier or basically you know your, what your options are as far as you, if you own your phone and you want to keep your number and all that. And so today we'll be talking about uh, unlocked phones and all the complexities around that. We'll try to talk about the complexities. It's a, it is a, a lot more nuanced than you might believe. Um, but after this, I hope you have a better footing uh, what's going on uh, with all of that because um, it can be very complex. Um, yeah, but yeah, I hope to make your, your next uh, mobile experience a little bit easier by knowing uh, what all this means, learning what you know what locked means, what unlocked means, uh, what cross carrier means, and all of that business. So, um, with that said, let's get into the main story. So, what does it mean to have a lock on your phone? We'll start with that. So, in 2020, I mean, because it's the, the definition has definitely changed. Over the last couple decades, uh, 3G f technology was a lot different than 4G technology uh, and how those phones were designed and like, the introduction of SIM cards and the security measures. All of that has really changed what locked means and why we have locks and what kind of locks there are. 
uh, how phones are designed and things like that. So first up, we'll go over like basically multi-generational phones. So uh, for the last decade or so, we've had 4G phones that actually were fully backwards compatible with all of the different technologies that came before them, like 1G, 2G, and 3G, most notably. And uh, But they did have their own uh, sort of circumstances, so they had their own frequencies that they had to work on, and they uh, pretty much uh, industry-wide uh, adoption of the SIM card technology of various sizes inside the phone um, um, that did not hold any data, which is a security measure, didn't hold contacts or anything like that, like previous 3G SIM cards. But with 4G, it was just a uh, either a micro or nano card. Um, and actually, I guess we do have the newer, newer embedded and integrated SIM cards as well that are on the motherboard. But by and large, it was the uh, micro and nano. And they just hold your phone number information and the codes and encryption codes basically to get onto the whatever network is branded on that card. Um, but multi-generational phones are, were, were uh, you know, just a, a necessary step and we're kind of going through that right now. So we have some phones um, that uh, we basically we have the 4G phones, traditional build, backwards compatible, and now we have what they call uh, a 4G, 5G devices. So they're kind of built facing the forward. They're backwards compatible with 4G, which is nationally deployed. It's pretty much the de facto standard now. And if you don't have a 4G phone, you really need to get a 4G phone because uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be hurting at the end of the year if you don't do that. But the new 5G phones, uh, they are backwards compatible with 4G and they're forward facing for 5G. So um, that's kind of where you want to be right now. This year is a great year to do that. The prices have come down already a uh, considerable amount. They are a little expensive, but for all of what you're getting, the old total technology package, um, it's you know, you'll soon be able to get some phones of uh, well under a thousand dollars that have that future proof technology in it. Uh, so. Um, definitely keep an eye on that. All right, so the next big thing is cross-carrier devices. I mean, cross-carrier devices are devices that can be activated on different networks. They have the potential to be activated on different networks. It's not that, um, well, <laughs> the landscape of locked versus unlocked that we're going to get into uh, will determine whether you can actually activate it on another network. But yeah, at least being designed to be cross-carrier means they have all the frequency capabilities. Like it has a modem built into it that can actually talk to the, any tower that you want it to. So that's a big one. So starting again with the right ingredients with a phone that is designed for the networks you want to use uh, for the future, for now and the future, and also having a phone that was designed to be cross-carrier is a big deal. So uh, basically, uh, especially in the 3G time back in the, before 2010 uh, there there were lots of phones that were carrier specific so while the phone had the you know the processing power and the operating system could handle it it just the fact that the literally on the motherboard the modem that was installed was locked to a certain carrier it only can transmit on its free on that carrier specific frequencies um, and that's that's just that's how they worked so and they were able to maintain a, a, a sense of uh, you know locking you in that way so that was a different kind of lock what you want to call a factory lock uh, basically a phone that you know you can't can't be modified in any way to work on a different network so it was only specific to that carrier if you wanted to move to another carrier you had to trade the phone in um, and you know when even sometimes even when new technologies rolled out you had to trade the phone in so that was a lot. That was a very busy time uh, for technology. It was kind of the wild, wild west of cell phones. Still, 
Um, and basically when smartphones came out around 2007, 2008 timeframe, that started to really standardize practices. So outside of the factory locked phones, uh, you also have uh, SIM locked phones. So SIM locked phones are, it's kind of a newer categories when uh, the wide adoption of SIM cards you know, came into being. Most companies, except for Verizon, due to a deal that they had made with the FCC, they had to, uh, although the companies decided they were going to lock, uh, Verizon probably would have, but didn't lock their phones because they couldn't due to uh, the deal that uh, for airspace from the FCC. So uh, there were uh, locks uh, placed on phones over the air. So there's just like a software lock though. So basically let's say in a scenario where you have a phone that's compatible with the current technologies that are available, let's say four and 5G, in this uh, case, uh, that's what you were running to now. You have a phone that is built to be cross-carrier, so it has it has a modem that's compatible, compatible and transmitting on different frequencies on those different generations of technologies. You have all that in place. You can still have a SIM card lock, uh, uh, which uh, or a SIM lock, but which is basically the uh, phone has is pro prohibited by the current carrier. Um, to accept a SIM card from another carrier. So, and again, this is a software lock. This isn't anything hardware related to the SIM card reader or anything. This is just the the, the software has a little, uh, has been modified in a way that will only allow the phone uh, to read SIM card, re either read, uh, work with no SIM card uh, on emergencies or it will only work with that carrier SIM card. So um this it's just uh keep another way for them to you know have a little more, more control uh over the phones and it does there are some fraud implications so it's nice so people can't just take your phone um steal your number things like that so there are some good things that come out of locks but a lot of times uh, especially after you've owned the phone and the phone is still locked there's some issues with uh getting them unlocked and it can be a, a time-consuming endeavor sometimes so but all in all uh the SIM card locks are, have been an overall good thing uh, for security, but a bad thing overall for consumer consumer mobility. So, so when you see a phone online that says that it's unlocked, now you know to be a little bit more savvy as a consumer, you can uh, look at the net, networks that it works on. You want to make sure that you're buying a 4G phone at this point, um, and one preferably uh, into the future, I would say, probably around fall time frame, you really need to be thinking about getting a 5G cross carrier device um, because that's it's going to be the wave of the future. So if you're spending a, a good chunk of money on a phone or even in the mid tier phones, there'll be a lot of options uh, that will include 5G. So it, you don't well, shouldn't have to spend an arm and a leg. But I haven't seen exact pricing on some of those devices but it, it should be accessible to the majority at that point and they will be cross carrier. So it's a good time to jump in. A lot of the phones from last year were not cross carrier. Uh, they were, they only, the old Snapdragon 855 processor with the X50 modem, um, they built those specifically for certain networks. So uh, you gotta watch out for that. But if you're gonna, you know, you're happy with your carrier uh, and you're gonna be there a while, then feel free to go ahead and, and grab those phones. Um, uh, but yeah, for this year, the Samsungs were the first ones to roll out the cross carrier variant of the five G's, um, except for the S 20. I'm not sure what was going on with the S 20. It's not compatible with Verizon's ultra wideband. Uh, so Verizon decided not to carry it. You can still activate it. Like if you just bought it unlocked, you can activate it on Verizon's network as a 4g phone, but it just, it's not compatible with their, their flavor of 5g, which is interesting, but the S 20 plus and S 20 ultra are so. 
just a just a little caveat on on that <laughs> yeah it's always it's never never easy right um, but definitely you should be getting an unlock if you're looking at an unlocked phone uh, just make sure that uh, it has the technologies you want in it so I hope that information is going to be useful to you and of course uh, remember that you can always direct message me if you have questions about anything that I was saying or maybe I misspoke and the, uh, I didn't quite explain something right or maybe said something wrong uh, just hit me up on uh, social media and uh, I'll get your question answered or clarification issued but the but just in general if you're planning on uh, buying a phone uh, or you're planning in you're not the most tech savvy person this is not your wheelhouse uh, talk to your current or future service or uh, cell phone service provider make sure that the phone's going to work on their network there's websites you can go to each each of the big four carriers all have their own website that you can go to to um, see if you can bring your own device normally just google bring your own device in whatever carrier you want to go to there's a website that will let you check either the model, uh, the general model number, or the specific IMEI number. Because sometimes you got to get that specific with it, um, which is kind of like a serial number for the phone, and it'll tell them if it's uh, if it has all the technologies that's available for it. It'll, um, in terms of iPhones, it checks to see if your phone is Apple locked. But if you're buying it like from eBay or third party, um, you can make sure that they that that person isn't shady, isn't trying to sell you. a uh, a stolen uh, phone or anything or you know just to make sure that the previous owner you know did their due diligence and erased it properly and all that um, so it's very very interesting in that regard but all in all make sure that you check with them even if you're really good at this stuff make sure you check with them there may be some subtle nuances that um, that's hard to figure out that only they would know to be able to tell you say yay or nay on a certain deal or situation um, so yeah they always do that always be a, always reach out all right, and that just wraps it up for um, the main story. Basically, um, what uh, what does a lock on your phone mean? Uh, again, feel free to hit me up on social media. Uh, you can uh, hit me up at uh, IG or Twitter, and I'll try to get your answers, your questions answered. All right, and just before we get to the end of the episode, I do have one one more cool thing about phones. Just like one cool thing for you to learn uh, on this episode. And that's just kind of the technology service of the hour as a general concept, which is cloud technology, specifically uh, cloud uh, backup services. So uh, in this day and age in 2020, there is no reason whatsoever you should have to worry about losing any of your personal content, personal content being photos, videos, contacts, notes that you keep in your phone, application data, your gaming progress on your favorite game, whatever. Um, it, you shouldn't have to lose any of that stuff that's unique to you. Uh, passwords, even that's a big one. You can store all of that uh, in the cloud in your phone securely without having to worry about it. Um, and there are various ways to do so. Um, uh, for instance, like Google, one of the largest cloud service providers in the entire world, uh, they will back up all your application data for you. They will back up all your photos and videos. Uh, you can pay them to do that. Or do you have a free service uh, through their Google Photos app? Uh, that it will do that for you. You just have to have a free Google account. Just log into it, open the app, and it'll just you know add it to Wi-Fi. Or if you have unlimited data, I recommend allowing it to work all the time. So as soon as you take a photo, it's backed up and safe. So if anything crazy happens to your phone or you're out of Wi-Fi range, uh, you don't have to worry about your precious memories uh, going to waste. Um, I also recommend 
any of the other services. So you have ones by Microsoft is getting back into the mobile game. So they've are always been huge in cloud, um, uh, mostly focused on business, but now they're getting back to consumer mobile. Um, they should have some exciting new products out this year as far as hardware, but as far as software, they're in full effect on uh, the Android platform. Uh, so feel free to use that if you're just a big fan of Microsoft um, and you're already using their stuff maybe. Uh, Amazon, through their Amazon Prime memberships, uh, offer you tons of uh, cloud storage capabilities as well. It's probably the uh, largest cloud company in the entire world, Amazon. Yeah, that's right. They don't just sell uh, stuff on their website, cheap stuff on their website. They actually they make their majority of their money from cloud services. So if you're a premium member, make sure you're using all of that. Uh, very reliable, probably the most robust network. Um, I mean, them and Google are probably equal on that. Um, of course, if you're a Apple person, you probably are well acquainted with uh, iCloud. So using that to back up everything on your device uh, puts it in its own bucket and makes it very easy to restore your devices later in the future. Pretty much all these cloud technologies make that easy. Google has gotten a lot better. They just they work a little differently, but you basically just log into your Google account and it restores everything for you. The cool thing about Google services, they work on both Apple and Android platforms. So. I highly recommend that it makes transitioning between the two devices. If you want, if you're the kind of person that likes to kind of step, step your feet in both waters, you can kind of have uh, your iPad and have your, your Android phone that you like uh, and your windows desktop and have it all synced up together through the Google services. So, and the vast majority which of which are free and like, you can be like me, you can choose to pay for Google. Um, and they actually give you a lot. I mean, imagine what, if, how much stuff they give you for free when you pay for it they give you uh, just a ton of amazing premium features so um definitely worth a check out there service uh, cloud services available through your uh, pretty much any service provider so that can be your like your residential mainly focused guys like spectrum and comcast and charter or wherever i mean i think they're all they're really just two companies right now for the most part um with a bunch of subsidiaries and then there, uh, you know, the big mobile carriers, which are turning into the big data providers like uh, Verizon, very robust cloud services. Um, and I believe T-Mobile's in the game. Um, but yeah, Verizon, very, very good one. If you have a Verizon service, you uh, definitely give that a look. Uh, you can back up all the same things, photos, videos, contacts, music, documents, text messages. That's a big thing with your uh, phone service provider. They'll back up your call logs and text messages very easily as well. But yeah, the big big takeaway here though is just um, don't be silly. Look into cloud services. Don't be afraid of the word cloud. Just means that it's offsite or however you want to think about it. But it's basically a safe, secure backup away from you um, and even away from your location. So the, these services were designed um, to be nuclear proof. So basically, if there's someone dropped a bomb. Uh, on the data center holding your information, it's fine because it's actually dispersed all over the place, just like clouds in the sky. So just because bad weather happens one way doesn't affect weather everywhere in the world. And that's how these cloud services are designed. And so that's the kind of backup and reliability you can get from them. So you can have all your precious memories, all your contacts and content that you need um, to live your life, run your business, whatever, um, something happens to your device or have a, a, a tornado roll through town, bust up all your stuff, you still have access to all of it just by logging into whichever account you choose to go with. Or, you know, honestly, a lot of these services are free. Use multiple accounts, have it everywhere. 
But with that said, uh, that brings us down to the end of the episode. Um, hope you had a good time. Hope you learned a whole lot of new stuff. Um, I'm definitely going to work on my release schedule. I don't want to uh, have uh, three months in between my episodes. Uh, but yeah, I do have a lot of plans, uh, a little more structure coming into the next season. This actually uh, is the last of my initial season. Just kind of started it out there. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. And now uh, I have a little bit more of understanding of what I want to do and what my position is. So I'll bring you content as it, with a little better focus a little more focus and a, a little faster release schedule. But don't forget to reach out to me on uh, social media. I'm in uh, at uh, cedricmobile.tech on IG uh, and Twitter and uh, cedricmobile.sales on Facebook. Just uh, hit me with a direct message and I'll be able to get uh, get you some information uh, or you know try to answer your question the best of my ability. Or just, you know, generally what I really want to hear is just what, what do you want to learn about? What do you want to hear? Like and uh, subscribe where you can. Show some love to me on Patreon. This is 100% bootstrapped by me. Uh, all the upgrades, I made some microphone upgrades, software upgrades, that's all me. So the, the more uh, the more sort of love I have on Patreon, the more episodes I can bring you faster because I'm not worried about paying the bills. And I'm able to give you better quality, maybe even one day video. I'm looking into that now. So yeah, just uh, hit me up. Um, and if you want any questions about distribution, it's all on the IG bio page. So if you go to listen to Cedric Say page on Instagram, uh, there in the link in the bio, uh, you have a link to everywhere that you can hear this podcast, as well as uh, my Patreon link. Soon I'll be offering some exclusive content to uh, for folks that uh, that want an inside look into the process, as well as maybe some uh, early advance on some of the things I'm working on as far as writing main topics in a kind of a, a written form for those who would like that all right well that brings us to the end of episode five um till next time uh, my marvelous mobile mavens know that i greatly appreciate our time together in these podcast episodes um stay informed stay connected most importantly stay healthy don't get that rona all right <laughs>